Well, we're in a message series which is called Jesus the Messiah. And we've looked in this series, we've looked at Jesus' birth. We've looked at the miracles that he did during his ministry. We've looked at his death on the cross. And last Sunday, we looked at his resurrection. But the story of the Messiah doesn't end there. Today, we're going to talk about the Messiah's exaltation. Now, of all the aspects of the Messiah that that we've talked about, and we're going to talk about one more next Sunday, this one is is probably the least known. And if I ask you, what am I going to talk about today? I'm not sure everybody could answer or not. Uh, The Messiah's exaltation, what are we going to be talking about? But it's really one of the most important because it has to do with what Jesus the Messiah is doing in the present, what he's doing today. It's not history. It's not in the future. It's where he is right now. So what are we talking about with the Messiah's exaltation? I'd encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the outline written there and the scriptures. You can follow along as well. Fill in the blanks. Keep yourself awake. And um, tonight... In many of these life groups, we're going to be studying the, the uh, lesson guide that's on the back has questions. If you're not in a life group, we encourage you to go with one. You can also go over the study questions on your own. It'd be good, actually, to do them before you come to the life group so that you could take some time to think about them. So what is happening? What is the Messiah's exaltation? Well, let's begin by thinking about what happened to Jesus after he rose from the dead. After he rose from the dead, he spent 40 days talking to his disciples, explaining to them the kingdom of God, teaching them. He was seen not just by 12 apostles, he was seen by many other disciples. The Bible tells us in one occasion over 500 people saw him as the resurrected Lord. And so let's look at Jesus' final instructions before he ascended into heaven. Whoops. Acts 1.8 says, Jesus is speaking here. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So earlier in Acts chapter 1, Jesus had commanded his disciples to wait. They were to wait until they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus explains in verse 8 here that this baptism in the Holy Spirit would give them the power to be his witnesses. Jesus was going to leave them. He was going to go back up into heaven. And they needed power to be his witnesses on this earth. And so after this final instruction, the very last words of Jesus, he ascended back into heaven. And he's not been seen physically on the earth since that ascension. Now let's look at an Old Testament prophecy. In this series, we're looking at a lot of Old Testament prophecies. This is a prophecy of David concerning the ascension in Psalm 24. Now interestingly, Psalm 24 is the last of three psalms about the coming Messiah. Psalm 22 was about uh, a prophecy about the Messiah's death. On the cross. Psalm 23, we should all know this 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, talks about the Messiah as our shepherd in life. And Psalm 24 is about the conquering Messiah returning in victory to heaven. Let's look at a couple of verses from Psalm 24, if I can keep the clicker straight. 
It says, lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And so who is the king of glory? It's Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah, is the king of glory. And he died in weakness, but he was raised in power. And so Jesus, our king, he is strong and mighty. There is no one more powerful than him. And in his death and resurrection, he was mighty in battle. He overcame the forces of darkness. Colossians 2.15 says of Jesus, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he, that is Jesus, made a public, public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, he defeated Satan. He defeated evil. He defeated sin. He defeated Satan's evil principalities, powers, dominions. They were all defeated on the cross. And so they are a defeated foe. But the battle still rages on, even though the victory has been won. The final outcome has been settled once and for all, but as we're going to talk about in a few minutes, we are still involved in spiritual warfare with, the, with Satan and his, and his troops. And so Jesus returned to heaven as a victor in his fight over Satan. Satan thought he'd won the battle when Jesus died on the cross and was placed in the tomb. But three days later, Satan got the surprise of his life when Jesus rose from the dead. And he is alive forevermore, never to die again. And so Jesus, the victor, is who we serve today. And so let's learn more about the significance of Jesus' exaltation as he ascended to heaven, what that has to do with us in our lives today. So Jesus' exaltation brought gifts to believers. It brought all kinds of benefits to the church and to believers. And we're going to speak about a few of them this morning. The greatest gift that was released at Jesus' exaltation was the baptism in the Spirit. Jesus offers spirit baptism. We're going to look at a few more verses from Acts chapter 2, Peter's sermon on Pentecost. Last Sunday we looked at it, uh, the story of Jesus that Peter was relating there. Let's look at verse 33 this morning. Peter says of Jesus, Exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And so, as I said, Peter had preached already in the message about Jesus' ministry of miracles. He preached about his death. He preached about his resurrection. And now he begins to talk about Jesus ascending into heaven, being exalted to the right hand of God. And what that means when you're at the right hand of God, it means you have all power in the universe. It means that you are Lord of Lords, you are King of Kings. And so at God's right hand, Jesus received the gift of the Holy Spirit from the Father, and he poured out the Holy Spirit on 120 believers who were waiting, according to Jesus' instruction, and praying for the promise of the Holy Spirit. They were all baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, as we read in Acts chapter 2. They began to speak in other tongues. And that's what the crowd that Peter was preaching to was seeing with their eyes and hearing with their ears. And Peter now begins to explain to them what was happening. It all happened because Jesus ascended to heaven and was exalted to the right hand of the Father. 
And Peter preaches now to 3,000 plus people who are assembled in the temple courts. And he preaches that they could have this gift in their lives. They repented of their sins, put their faith in Jesus Christ. They could be water baptized. They could receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus began to pour out this gift of spirit baptism, the power to be witnesses on the day of Pentecost some 2,000 years ago. And it's still available today for every believer who asks and receives in faith. Not only did Jesus offer spirit baptism as he was exalted, but Jesus gives gifts to the church. Ephesians 4.8 says, This is why it says, When he ascended on high, speaking of Jesus again, he took many captives and he gave gifts to his people. And so this verse in the book of Ephesians about Jesus' exaltation, it quotes a, another Old Testament prophecy in Psalm 68, 18. And in this Psalm, David is prophesying of the Messiah, prophesying of him winning a victory, taking captives and giving gifts to his people. Who are his people? They're believers. People who believe in Jesus, the Messiah. They're his church. And what are the gifts that the exalted Messiah gives to his church? In verse 11, he says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. And so the Holy Spirit gives gifts of people, people to lead the church. The Spirit also gives spiritual gifts to every person in the church, even if they're not a leader. And we don't have time to talk about all that. They give gifts to people so that they can fulfill God's purpose for their lives, so they have the power to be Jesus' witnesses. It all happened because Jesus was exalted to the right hand of the Father and began to pour out the Holy Spirit on everyone who believed. And so the gifts that the exalted Jesus pours out gives come through the Holy Spirit. Now, let's think about it in this way for a minute. You know, when a president-elect comes into office, he has all kinds of plans, doesn't he? We hear about all kinds of plans. Any president-elect who comes into office, comes into power, has all kinds of things he wants to do. And he sets priorities. What is he going to do first? Usually he tries to do the most important thing first, and then he has priorities for his administration. Well, in a similar way, Jesus came into power as he was exalted to the right hand of the Father. And there were things that he wanted to do. There are things that he wanted to accomplish. And the very first thing he did was the very last thing he said on earth. He said, wait for the promise of the Father. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So the very first thing he did, the most important thing, was to pour out the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, why was that so important? Why was that his top priority in his administration? It was because believers, you and I, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to carry out the mission that he has for his church. We, at, we cannot do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Not only do we need to be baptized in the Spirit, we need the gifts of the Spirit to carry out the mission that God has for us. And those gifts are an important part of our armor and our weaponry in spiritual warfare, which we're going to talk about in the next, next point. And so Jesus 
died, was raised from the dead, and ascended into heaven so that you and I could live life in the power of the Spirit. So I'd encourage every person here this morning to continue to seek in the year 2017 everything the Holy Spirit has for you. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, pray until you are. If you're not operating in the gifts of the Spirit, continue to seek. The Bible tells us to desire spiritual gifts. It's not wrong to seek after spiritual gifts. Seek after them, follow the command, and begin to learn how to operate in spiritual gifts so that you can fulfill the mission that God has for your life. Next, we're going to learn that when Jesus was exalted, his name was made above every name. Look at Philippians 2, verse 9. It says, therefore God exalted him, that's Jesus again, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Now the exaltation of Jesus is is spoken of throughout the New Testament. We're just taking a number of scriptures here to talk about it. But here the Bible tells us that God exalted him to the highest place. Is there anything higher than the highest place? No, the highest place is the highest place. There's nothing above Jesus. There's no one, there's no thing in this universe or in, who knows, multiple universes above Jesus, Jesus the Messiah. The name of Jesus is above every other name. In the Bible, the name of a person, it represents who he is. It represents everything about him. His name is Jesus. Oftentimes we hear, of course, the name Jesus Christ. In Christ is really a title. It's not his name. It's, it's a title. It means the anointed one. It means the Messiah. So Jesus Christ means Jesus the Messiah. But there's great power in the name of Jesus. His name is above every other name. And we see the apostles and the disciples in the book of Acts are using that name, not just with their words, but believing in that name and accomplishing great things for the kingdom of God. There's great power in the name of Jesus when it's used by people who have a relationship with him, people who believe in his power, believe in Jesus, the exalted one. And as the exalted one, Jesus is going to reign until all of his enemies are defeated. And jumping back to Acts chapter 2, jumping around this morning, but it seemed to make sense to me, so I hope it makes sense to you. Peter goes on to say, For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So Peter now quotes another prophecy of David. It's in Psalm 110, verse 1. And this verse speaks about the Messiah reigning until all his enemies are defeated and conquered. And Peter concludes that Jesus is the Lord of all and he is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah that was prophesied in the Old Testament. He is the fulfillment of those prophecies. He's the coming Savior and King. Jesus is Lord of all. He has all power. He has all authority. And on the cross, Jesus defeated all his enemies. They're a defeated foe. And yet, those enemies are not completely subdued. 
They're still fighting. They're still active. They're not yet a footstool under Jesus' feet. They're not completely subdued, even though the overall war has been won. But one day they will be. And in that day, everyone will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Philippians 2 verse 10 says, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now, we just read the verse before this, verse 9. God exalted Jesus to the highest place, gave him a name above every name. And when Jesus returns, this verse tells us that every person will bow at his name. Every person will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Both people who are dead, people who are alive, will know the reality of his power. It speaks in this verse of those in heaven. Those that have died and are in heaven, believers in heaven, they're going to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Those who are alive on the earth when he returns, they're going to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. And those that are under the earth in hell are likewise going to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. People who mocked and laughed at him or didn't believe in him, they're going to realize how wrong they were. And yet it's going to be too late to change their eternal destiny. Those who did not acknowledge Jesus in this life as Lord are going to spend eternity in hell. And even in hell, they're going to acknowledge that he is Lord now. They're going to understand why they're there. They're going to understand who he is. They're going to understand all their missed opportunities in life. And they'll be tormented forever and ever. And those who believed on Jesus and acknowledged him as Lord in this life, they're going to joyfully acknowledge him as Lord when he returns. And they're going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. And so Jesus rules and reigns as Lord and Messiah today from heaven. That's where he is. And yet the spiritual battle between the kingdom of Darkness and the kingdom of light is still raging across this planet. The final outcome has been decided, but the war is not yet over. And you and I, as believers, were engaged in this spiritual warfare, whether we understand it or not. And so the battleground in this spiritual warfare is really the hearts of people. It's not a physical territory. It's the hearts of people. As believers, we're part of we're part of Jesus' army, and our task, our mission, is to recruit other people from the enemy's army into the army of the Lord. And we do this through our witness. We acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives. We acknowledge that he is Lord of all. Our witness is that everyone should bow their knee to him as Lord in this life so that they can have a relationship with him that will last forever. And those who believe that Jesus is Lord in this life are saved. They're rescued from the kingdom of darkness. They're brought into the kingdom of light. And they become part of Jesus' church. And so the primary purpose in life of every believer is to be a witness for Jesus and to rescue those who do not yet know him, who have not yet acknowledged Jesus as Lord. 
Now, the exaltation of Jesus is not a temporary thing. Jesus is exalted forever. Ephesians 1 verse 19 says, His incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And so it was the mighty power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, but that power didn't just raise Jesus from the dead, it exalted him to the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms. And this verse tells us that that same power is active in the life of every believer, every believer who has the faith to to receive it. So let's read a little more about how Jesus operates as this exalted Messiah in heaven. Not only does Jesus reign in this present age, but Jesus is going to reign in the age to come. It says of Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms, he's far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. So we live, obviously, in the present age. The present age is the age uh, that we are currently in, and that age continues until Jesus returns again. We're going to talk about that next week, Jesus' return. And so the reign of Jesus is over everything and everyone that has any power, not just in the present age, but in the age to come, which lasts forever. And so the reign of Jesus in the kingdom of God continues forever and ever. There is no end to the kingdom. There is no end to the reign of Jesus. And in this present age in which we live, Jesus reigns as head of the church. Ephesians 1.22 says, God placed all things under his feet, that's Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So notice that Jesus, I mean that God appointed Jesus as the exalted one, as head over everything for the church, for the benefit of the church. Ephesians 5.25, we're not going to read it this morning, tells us that Jesus laid down his life on the cross because he loved the church so much. Jesus is head over the church. The church is what he created, the body of believers, the universal church across this planet consisting of every true believer. He created it by his death and resurrection. And so the church now, these verses tell us, is the body of Christ. They're his hands, they're his feet in this world. And Christ himself, Jesus, is the head of the body. And so the common opinion today that the church is optional for believers is completely and unequivocally wrong. Every true believer will be active in a local church. It's, it's what believers do. They love their brothers and sisters in the Lord. Those who call themselves believers and not, are not part of a local church show by the fruit of their lives they're not truly believers. If you read the New Testament, it's inconceivable for a believer not to be part of a local church. Jesus was exalted to guide and direct the expansion of the kingdom of God, which happens through the church in the present age. 
In the age to come, Jesus said that victorious believers will reign with him. Revelation 3.21, Jesus is speaking. Now this is a vision of, uh, uh, Jesus, Jesus appeared in a vision to John. And he says, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Now, other translations refer to this as, as the one who is an overcomer. Uh, that's the same in other translations. And so Jesus here says that he overcame. He was victorious in his death and resurrection in this life. He was then exalted to sit with the Father at the Father's right hand on his throne. And so believers who are overcomers, believers who are victorious in this life, will have the awesome privilege of sitting with Jesus on his throne. Ruling and reigning with him in the age to come. Incredible, isn't it? So how can we be overcomers? How can we be victorious in this life? Well, simply by being believers, continuing to believe, continuing to trust in him, continuing to follow Jesus as our Lord, continuing to follow his direction and carry out his purpose in his church. Those who fall away from their faith in Jesus Christ, those who fall away from fellowship in the church, will not be overcomers. Unless there be any misunderstanding, an overcomer is not a special class of believers. This is really a wrong teaching. You know, there's the overcomers and there's the, those that don't overcome. An overcomer is not a special class of believers. Every true believer will be an overcomer. Every true believer will be victorious in life. And those who are not overcomers are not going to, are not truly believers. They'll not reign with Christ. They'll not be in heaven at all. And so overcoming believers will reign with him in the age to come, reign with the exalted Lord Jesus. And so what's incredible is that this authority and power that Jesus has, that the exalted Lord has, is available to you and I. Available for us, not to do with whatever we want, but to be Jesus' witnesses. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And so, Jesus, the exalted Lord, has all authority and power. And he commands us, to go and make disciples with this authority. And we must say, yes, Lord, if we are truly believers who acknowledge him as Lord. But not only does he command us to be his witnesses, to go and make disciples, he empowers us to do what he commands us, to do our part in the spiritual battle for the souls of men. So let's understand and let's believe in Jesus' authority. If he is Lord, we have no question but to obey. Let's learn to use the power of Jesus' name to help set people free from being in bondage to Satan. Let's operate in the power of the Spirit to be effective witnesses to everybody we know in the year 2017. And one day, 
Those who follow Jesus as Lord in this life are going to reign with him, seated on his throne in the age to come. Now, to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, because the teaching in the Bible is really quite simple. It's, it's really a, a binary thing. You're either in the kingdom of darkness or you're in the kingdom of light. I mean, there's nobody in the middle. You're either one or the other. And so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning, how do you enter into a relationship with him? How do you get, how do you become saved? Well, first of all, you need to admit that you've sinned. Sin separates us from God. Sin sets our eternal destiny to be hell. But God made a way for us to escape that destiny. And that's by admitting that we've sinned, that we've done wrong things, that we haven't followed Jesus as our Lord. Secondly, we need to believe, put our faith, put our trust in Jesus Christ. Acknowledge that he is Lord. Now, those are not just words. It means that when you say Jesus is Lord, it means that I'm going to do everything he tells me to do. I'm going to follow the things that he's spoken in his word. I'm going to follow the word of God. That's what it means to acknowledge Jesus as Lord. And finally, you commit yourself to following everything he says in, in your life. So let's bow our heads right now. If you've never made a commitment to Jesus before or you'd like to recommit your life to him as we begin this new year, 2017, it would be a good thing to do. So let's pray. You can just pray in your own mind, something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I have not been living my life in obedience to what Jesus has taught in his word. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, was exalted to the right hand of the Father. I put my faith and trust in him. And I commit myself to following him as my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. Thank you for coming into my life. And for those who are believers this morning, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us so much that he gave his life for us on the cross. We're grateful that he lives forevermore. And that he's been exalted to the right hand of the Father and has all power and all authority. And we, we earnestly desire and seek the gifts that he has for us. God, this morning we pray that each person here would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. God, we pray that each person here would learn to function in the gifts of the Spirit so that we could be effective for you. We thank you that in the spiritual battle we're engaged in, that the name of Jesus is above every other power, and we can use that name. We can live in the power of the name of Jesus. We believe that in the end we'll be victorious, God. We'll be overcomers as we follow Jesus as Lord today, tomorrow, and for the rest of our lives. Use us, God, to expand your kingdom where you've planted us through the church that you love. Help us to be more effective and bold witnesses for Jesus in 2017 than we were last year. Use us, God, to rescue many people from the kingdom of darkness and bring them into the kingdom of light. And we look forward to 
greater victories in 2017 for Life Church than 2016. We look forward to everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.